Welcome to the Discerning Gamer Podcast, your premium destination for all things gaming culture. We have the latest in gaming news, reviews of the hottest new games, discussion and analysis of the games of yesteryear. When you're short on time and need your gaming fix, look no further than the crew who know their master chief from their master sword. I love Halo. Your hosts, Joel, Simon, Casey, and Ferg. So toss a coin to your Witcher and answer that call of duty. It's time to level up. This is the Discerning Gamer Podcast. Well, hello everybody and welcome back to the Discerning Gamer for another week of listening pleasure. With me as always, we have the PC Gamer, the Sultan of Steam, the man who trained alongside Geralt of Rivia at Kea Morin, but decided not to drink the mutagen. We have Ferg Fergamon Hamilton. How are you, Ferg? Oh, I'm fantastic, JB. How are you, mate? Oh, I'm great, mate. Ready and raring to go this week. Uh, we've got so much news and so much good stuff to get to. Uh, it's amazing. Next, we have the gaming chef who did drink the mutagen, but found himself transformed not into a witcher, but a foot clan fighting ninja turtle. Simon Steely McLaughlin, welcome to the show, yeah, I Simon. Have, I have been known. Thank you, thank you, Joel. I've been known to fight in the sewers. Um, it's my only fighting place because uh, it's only mice that I have to go up against. <laughs> Master Splinter. So I'm okay with that. <laughs> Finally, we have the Nintendo Queen, fresh from the beach, eating coconuts with the reclusive Donkey Kong Jr., and now ready to put on the sorting hat in the upcoming Hogwarts Legacy. It's Casey C. Mac McLaughlin. Welcome to the show, Casey. Thank you very much. How are you going today, everyone? Uh, we're all fantastic. We're all fantastic. <laughs> we're doing great. <laughs> and so discerning, so discerning. We cannot wait to uh, get into the nuts and bolts. Before we do, though, just a quick segue. Which Harry Potter house would you want to be in? Oh, dear. And why? <sighs> Well, oh, this is t- this is Ooh. a big question to just drop on me, mate. Uh, I did always, you, for me, did you for ever me, do? I always wanted Gryffindor. Sorry, Ferg. I always wanted to be Gryffindor because it was Harry Potter, and it was the one that seemed the bravest. But I don't know. I always liked Ravenclaw. I feel like I would be a Ravenclaw. Ravenclaw. Yeah, I think I'd be yeah. Ravenclaw as well. Did you ever do? Yeah. I think um, I don't know. Was it a mobile phone app or something where they basically? Yeah. You, you had to fill out a questionnaire and it told you what house you'd be in and what your Patronus would be as well. And I remember I yeah, filled that, that out. Yeah, that was false because I, yeah, I was Hufflepuff, so that can't be right. I got in Hufflepuff <laughs> as well. And do you want to have a guess of what my Patronus was? You can think any epic animal that there is in existence. My Patronus was a mole rat. Mate. A mole rat? Uh, team, I, was, I was sorted into Hufflepuff and I ended up with a mole rat Patronus. So the mole rat, is that the one that sort of looks like a penis with teeth? Uh that's it, Joel. Wow. That's pretty accurate, I think, uh, Ferg. <laughs> well, I don't know. Got that one right, oh. did they, JB? Maybe. Oh, Fantastic. Wow. All right. Well, <laughs> that's probably a good kicking off point. In the news this week, we have, uh, well, something that, that caught me uh, by surprise uh, from CD Projekt Red, uh, Simon's mm. favourite developer. Um, they've confirmed they have a brand new Witcher game in the works. So it's currently in development, and uh, one of the interesting facts, alongside the announcement of this game, they've also announced 
a new partnership with Epic Games. Now, for those of you who may not know, uh, Epic Games are the the people who developed the Unreal Engine and have just released Unreal Engine 5, um, which I don't know if, if you guys have seen it, but um, they released like a, a tech demo of Unreal Engine 5 for PlayStation 5, and they re-rendered a whole heap of scenes from The Matrix in Unreal Engine 5, and I can tell you right now, it looked amazing. I didn't realize I was looking at rendered graphics. I thought I was watching uh, like a filmed movie. It was so mm. high quality. Mm. Um, it was amazing. Mm. And it's it's interesting because uh, typically in the past, CD Projekt Red have stuck with using their own in-house developed game engine, um, their proprietary red ending technology um, to build games like uh, the Witcher 2, Assassin, Assassins of Kings, and... Um, Cyberpunk. <clears throat> I, I think Cyberpunk was based on the Red Engine. Um, but um, I wonder whether the fact that they had so many problems with Cyberpunk in particular, and um, you'd have to say that a lot of those problems would come back to the gaming engine. Maybe they, they've just decided to... Um, deviate away from that and go with a known quantity. I mean, the Unreal Engine's been used time and time again for mm-hmm. so many different things and, and seems to be a pretty good option. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think, Simon? Yeah, I, I think this is um, this is a really interesting sort of thing for CD Projekt Red to do, especially coming off the major disappointment that was Cyberpunk 2077. I think this is kind of like a bit of a, well, hey, let's go back to that thing that everybody loves that we do, which is The Witcher. And so, um, and I mean, going to that Unreal Engine 5, I think that's another kind of, hey, let's do that thing that everyone's really excited about, but there's no games for yet, Unreal Engine 5, you know? (laughs) And so, I I mean, um, I'm I'm with you. I think it's a really great idea that they're utilising that engine because, like you said, we've seen time and time again that Unreal Engine, um, all the way through its lifespan, has produced excellent-looking games and they're always at the forefront of graphical fidelity. So it would be awesome to see what happens and what comes out of that. Um, am I going to be quietly sceptical about it? Yeah, just because of what's happened with their latest release. But, I mean, if they're going back to doing what they do best and, and putting out a Witcher game that absolutely kicks butt and has a lot of life in it, I mean, I'm sure it's going to be Unreal Engine, Engine. 5. <laughs> um, absolutely. But, yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you, Joe. I, I thought that that Matrix... Um, tech demo was really cool like i mean oh, yeah we watched that, that i thought nice. it was a bit lame i mean the, the whole thing was super duper lame but i mean you know as far as the you know them talking about it was very sort of meta a right? kind of a, extremely self-aware but i mean it was really cool just to see how far that technology could be pushed um in just such a small experience it looked really cool mm-hmm. there were some points where you're looking at it like you said i mean i was just looking at a building and i was like wow that looks like a photo it I looks like a photo driving, of a building. when they were driving we were both just like this just looks i feel like i'm watching a movie right yeah. now mm-hmm. it was really yeah. bizarre yeah well they, they, i'm just going through a, a little list in front of me at the moment of uh some of the games that are, that have already been announced that are going to be built on unreal engine 5 we've got uh, senua's saga hellblade 2 um which is a sequel to Ninja Theory's dark fantasy action adventure game. Um, mm-hmm. I mean that just in the screenshots for that, that looks pretty good. Uh, Fortnite um, are deciding to jump over to Unreal Engine Five. Um, I mean Fortnite currently runs on Unreal Engine Four, so 
Um, they're saying that it's they're probably going to make the move to Unreal Engine 5 mid-2022, so mid this year. Um, there's... Uh, Dream House the Game, uh, where it takes you through the entire process of building a house from setting its foundation to... Oh, jeez, I can't even read that. That's so tedious. Um, Sounds like my kind of game. fell asleep you just saying that. Sounds yeah. like just building a house. Sorry, I've probably put half the audience to sleep at the moment. Um, <laughs> the, there's a new Gears of War game coming out soon. Stalker 2, Heart of Chernobyl. Uh, I mean, did you guys play Shadows of Chernobyl? That was an amazing game. Um sort of set in like a nuclear irradiated wasteland all sort of themed around, you know, the Chernobyl power plant and all the <clears throat> all of the stuff there. Um, so, uh, yeah, apparently a new Bioshock game coming out. That's going to be built on Unreal Engine 5 as well. Mm. Um, there's there's a whole list of, of big games. And, and then, of course, you know... Um, then there's a list of, of games that are built on an undisclosed version of Unreal Engine, um, of which you've got a new Mass Effect game on there. Um, Hogwarts Legacy is in that list. Um, so I don't know if they've really said specifically which version of Unreal Engine they're using for Hogwarts Legacy, but that looks pretty amazing. So I wouldn't be surprised if it was Unreal Engine 5 um, hmm. in the end, but think it's probably a good move um, from CD Projekt Red. Um, so just just digging into that story a little bit more, um, they've confirmed the partnership with Epic Games. Uh, they've got no development time frame or release date yet, um, but they did share a teaser image which sort of looks like a, mm. like a mask sort of half hidden under the snow. Um, but... One of the one of the interesting things, there's no word as to whether Geralt of Rivia will star in the new saga, um, but the medallion in the snow does appear to be of a similar fashion to Geralt's wolf medallion. Um, that's just uh, one of those that were given to Witcher candidates from the school of the wolf after they pass their trials. Mm. So, um, yeah, I mean, a Witcher game without... The Witcher himself, it seems. Oh, yeah, um, well, like I an mean, interesting move from them. Well, CD Projekt Red have come out and said that his his story is complete. So I don't think he will be in the game as you know the main character per se. Um, he might be. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's really hard at this point. We've got an image which is of the medallion, which is different as well to the one that Geralt typically wears because he's without knowing. It's I think he's from the school of the cat or something is his sort of storyline, whereas this look appears to be more of a, I don't know, like a lynx-type animal. So, yeah, I don't know where they're going to go with this one, but, I, yeah, I don't think Geralt will be the main star anymore, and I think there'll be a new character potentially. And, you know, they're dubbing this as a saga, so I think we're we're moving away from, I don't think it'll be a Witcher 4, it might be a, a brand new, you know, branch so off from the... Still set in the Witcher verse, yeah, but, not. but I, I think it'll be a different character, and it'll be maybe the first of another trilogy. Have we got any theories on who the the main character might be? Do you, do, do we think it's probably someone that we've seen either in the the highly successful show on Netflix or uh, one mm. of the other characters that you know might have been a a side character in the game? Um, Don't know. I reckon. Uh, the, I reckon they would go somewhere completely different. 
Mm. I think. Thoughts, Simon? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think it's it's a good opportunity for them to kind of branch the story out a bit more. I mean, we've seen how, how many times can you hear the story of Gelta Riviera at the end of the day? You know, I mean, we're, we've seen it through the games. We're seeing it now on Netflix. I think it's going to be really interesting to look at a different character and just figure out a different aspect in that universe and i feel and, like they've had so much success they're not afraid to now move on to someone else they know it's yeah, going to be sure. successful regardless <laughs> really so yeah well yeah. that's uh, that's all i've got on, on the witcher um i'm going to hand over to ferg uh, who's got some information he wanted to discuss about a new game that was revealed during the week yeah thanks jb um yeah something that caught my eye last think i was last week it was was uh, the new teen horror narrative game called The Quarry from Supermassive Games um, to be published by 2K. So you may or may not. Most people would know Supermassive Games from Until Dawn, um, which was, uh, I think it was a PS4 exclusive. Uh, must be at least five, six, seven years ago, maybe 2015, I think that game out came, came out. Um, and in more recent times, the Dark Pictures Anthology. Um, so yeah, the game follows the events of the last night of summer camp where the teenage counsellors of Hackett's Quarry throw a party to celebrate. <laughs> However, things quickly take a turn for the worse. Hunted by blood-drenched locals and something far more sinister, the teens' party plans unravel into an unpredictable night of horror. Friendly banter and flirtatious give way to life or death decisions as relationships build or break under the strain of unimaginable choices. Sounds um, like every teenage party I went to in high school. Back, back in the 80s, yeah. Yeah, so you, you get to play as the nine camp counsellors in a thrilling c- cinematic tale where every decision shapes your unique story from t- from a tangled web of possibilities. Um, yeah, where any character can be the star of the show or die before daylight comes. So it's they're dubbing it as the, the spiritual successor to Undawn and I think it's going to be a very similar kind of game where you basically are thrown into this narrative-driven situation where you have to make, you know, some choices, which are obviously going to mm-hmm. evolve in a, you know, a very uh, sort of spiderweb versus spiderweb sort of um, storyline. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think what stuck out for me is just it's got that classic 80s aesthetic. Um, and if you've ever watched Stranger Things or anything like that in the last couple of years and looking at the, you know, the poster art for the game, it just looks like that classic... 80s sort of you know imagery um mm. yeah looking at the the trailer as well you know the cgi and the facial capture stuff looks really incredible and it looks like they've really assembled like a really good cast of characters uh probably the most notable is uh, david arquette which some people may yeah. know him from i think he was the sheriff in the screen movies um yeah that's yeah. correct yeah and he was i think married to courtney cox for a number of years so mm. he's going to be one of the the main characters um yeah, it's going to be the full... You'll be able to play the co-op experience with a friend where you both get to pick a character and control their actions or interestingly, another interestingly another sort of way to play the game is you can play up to seven friends in online play where you'll sort of watch it as sort of like a movie and you vote on the choices, which I think that looks oh, pretty gosh. cool. Um, I think the other thing that really I really liked about this announcement was it's the first time we've heard of the game and we've already got a release date, which is in two months, so... In the space of a week, they've, you know, released the game, told us all about it. You can get a pre-order and, you know, instead of waiting till next year to get it or holidays 2022, mm. it's it's going to mm. come in the next couple of months. So that one's coming to PS5, Xbox, 
PC. So hmm. one looks looks pretty interesting. It's um it's interesting because uh, I, I went back through Supermassive's catalogue of games. So they've got Until Dawn, which to date is their highest rated game on Metacritic. They got a seventy nine out of a hundred for that. Um, they've got Hidden Agenda, Little Hope, Man of Medan. Seems like they're pretty big into the survival horror genre, um, but none of them seem on the surface to be particularly groundbreaking. Do you think this will be the one that um, pushes them over the edge? Uh, I mean, I think when Until Dawn came out, I think that was very well received. And, you know, I can't think of too many games that have done similar kind of things, which has been this really good combination of, you know, the super heavy narrative-driven horror games that have also combined that really good CGI and sort of that Hollywood sort of game mm. game mashup. So, you know, I played Until Dawn and that was a lot of fun. So I think if they can take everything they've sort of done and learnt from that game and throw it into this new one, I think they're going to release something that's going to be really enjoyable. And I think anyone that's into that, you know, story-driven, those classic 80s, you know, slasher movie type, mm sort of that, you know, the classic corny yeah. horror sort of movies. I think yeah. they're really enjoying Yeah, this. sort of like your Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. You know, those sorts of um, movies. Can I ask, C-Mac, is this one that um, that you're going to uh, give, you know, have a crack at? Are, are you, you're, you're just chomping at the bit to jump into the quarry and, you know, experience I'm some... I'm laughing at you because you should have seen what... Should have heard what she said as soon as she watched the bloody trailer for it. Really, well, we watched the trailer all of like 10 minutes before this podcast and I, I watched it and I was like, oh, wow. And then it, it stopped and I'm like, mm, that's a big no from me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I'm not into horror. Yeah, I thought you were me. a bit of a fan of um, Resident Evil though. Um, no, yeah. no, no, no. <laughs> no? Oh, okay. no, 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 no. I don't do scary. I do some Maybe. scary, but nah, I, I don't, no, thank you. Maybe for you, JB, who enjoys a good, you know, Mortal Kombat gory finisher, you might be might be something that might. I don't be mind right that. I don't mind your old. I don't, I, like, I like Mortal Kombat. I enjoy that, but I don't like suspenseful horror. Yeah, that, and that's something horror, that this me. this game did very very well. And until dawn, you're sort of thrown into yeah. a situation where you have to make it a decision, and you have to make it a decision quickly. And the consequences yeah. of your decision are something like someone getting killed, or you know, it's. It all happens very fast, and it's yeah. I think the I can last... appreciate it, and I think it looks amazing. Like I, 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 when I was watching it, yeah, the David Arquette character, I was like, wow, that's it looks like a movie. It's a, mm. it just looks so cinematic, like you said, and very story driven. But yeah, but not for me. I just, <laughs> I just want to. I, I don't get enough sleep as it is, and I need to get any way I can. <laughs> it's not going to happen with that game. Yeah, I think the last survival horror game that I played had the. You know, it had that character from the movie The Ring, the girl that sort of has the wet yep. hair that hangs mm. down in front of her face. I can't remember the name of the game. It had a different name to to The Ring, but, um, you know... Mm. You, Was it you, Dead by Daylight where they, they bring in the DLC for a couple of those different um, movies into that? As uh, Maybe, maybe not. I'm, I'm, I can't quite remember, but it was a first-person shooter and you were, you were going through like a... It looked like an old rundown hospital or something, and then like mm -hmm. you'd get to certain areas, and like like stuff would start flying around the room, like from ghosts and stuff, and then 
you know, you'd look behind you and the, that girl with the hair on her face was standing right there mm-hmm. and it scared the sh- the Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> no was, thanks. Was, yeah, I, if it, it, was if it puts it in context, I cried in paranormal activity too. Mm. So if I cried in that piece of rubbish <laughs> <laughs> That's that's yeah. great context, Casey. I, I'm, is I'm, that, I'm, that if that shows you my, my level of horror I feel complete now that I know you cried during Paranormal Activity too. That's, uh, that's hey, it was when it came out, so it was, it was many years ago. But I wasn't adults. Fantastic. Well, oh, you know, maybe it'll be a watch this space. I mean, I, I don't know whether I'll necessarily play it, play it, but mm. um, sounds like Ferg, Ferg can give us his review. Ferg's pretty keen, so um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, has my interest, so yeah. We'll Already see. Uh, pre-ordered that one on Steam. Had it, haven't pre-ordered it, no. But tenth of June, twenty twenty, two months away, it'll be out, and we'll uh, make it. I love it when game then. companies do this. They they announce a game really close to release date, so yeah. you don't yeah. sit there and wait forever for it, and you get the information you need, and they don't just dribble out trailer by trailer. Still waiting for Kirby. <laughs> Another couple <laughs> days. Another couple days to go. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. I think that was really refreshing to be like, this is the game. This is what it's all yeah. about. Here's the gameplay. Pre-orders alive. We'll see in two months. Mm. Fantastic. Mm. Yeah, I love it when a developer gets their uh, game together. Uh, moving on, though, uh, Simon, uh, you got some Nintendo news that you want to mm, yeah. uh, share with us. Yeah, have you seen this? Have you heard about this? Have you heard about this? Um, so- <laughs> Haven't heard. <laughs> Nintendo- tell, tell me. <laughs> I'll tell you now. Um, So this has been popping up a little bit here and there and everywhere. So Nintendo has been... Now, look, as far as we knew a couple of weeks ago, this was mainly a rumour. And it was kind of something that had been data mined out of uh, Nintendo Switch Sports, where somebody noticed that the AMD Fidelity FX... um, sort of software was being used to help upscale that game. Um, so somebody noticed that when they went through and data mine, because I don't know, do you have anything better to do with your life than what, to data mine is, games? They go through the sort of no, the no, source a, material. What is, a, what is? Let me tell you, okay. I love people ask me about this. So <laughs> basically, and this is really smart from Nintendo uh, and I'll, I'll go into it a little bit more detail. So, this is mainly happening now with third-party games that are coming to the Switch that are obviously running at a, a much higher graphical fidelity than what the Switch can handle. But essentially what they're doing is utilising an artificial intelligence that, I mean, we know that it's possible with NVIDIA technology at the moment. They've got a really great artificial intelligence for upscaling games, but it's being used, uh, I think the AMD one is far more accessible. So they're using that now to upscale games to 4k and 1080p so they run better on switch without needing a hardware upgrade this is super smart and i think um i mean one example that i saw that this is happening with is um life is strange uh the true colors collection um i mean not that i've played those games but the fact that it looked like it was running off a pc it was very similar um, that's a really big show of what this technology can do and how it can facilitate Nintendo's very strong-willed, stubborn desire to not bring out hardware that is com- like that is up to scratch with the current hardware. I think it's a, a really smart way of extending the Switch's life cycle as well. I mean, they're constantly saying that um, the Switch is halfway through its life cycle and it means like they're 
always looking to extend it. And obviously it's one of the biggest hits of, um, you know, of the, the console generation. It's just, um, it's still one of the biggest sellers. And I just think that this helps to prolong the life of it a bit more. But one thing that I just wanted to touch on is, is, is this technology that you, they're now using in these third-party games, how good would it be if we got this technology throughout all of the first-party library of Switch games so we got better-looking games running better on all of our TVs at 60 frames per second and just looking the part and meeting that standard that's been set across Microsoft and Sony? Because at the moment, as much as I love Nintendo and they're always kicking goals, the standard of quality of visuals just isn't there with a lot of titles. Um, I think the best looking games on Switch are probably Mario Kart 8 and Mario Odyssey, in my opinion, and even Luigi's Mansion. They're three of the best looking games on Switch because they run smoothly, they look amazing, um, but I just want to see it with more stuff. I'd love to play Breath of the Wild again at that 60 frames per second. So I'm not getting those frame rate drops. Do you think that they'll initially just start putting in updates to games? Is that is this something that we want to see so we can play our games again in better quality? That's well, <laughs> it's, it's interesting <laughs> because, I mean, for as long as I can remember, especially when you think back to like when the uh, Nintendo 64 came out, um, a common criticism of, of Nintendo has always been that the games are very fun to play, but when you compare the graphical um, capabilities of the current generation Nintendo system to the current generation PlayStation or Xbox, Nintendo always, <clears throat> always are way behind. Uh, yeah. You know th- those other people. I'd I'd like to see like especially now that we're seeing things coming out like the Steam Deck, which is a handheld yeah. console that has. <clears throat> graphical capabilities including you know the ability to do ray trace lighting and you know all sorts of stuff um, yeah I, I don't really understand why it, it shouldn't be possible for Nintendo to come up with with a, a, a handheld device like the switch that's just as capable as a PlayStation 5 or Xbox um, yeah you know, I, I reckon the technology must already be out there um, it, it's got to be yeah. And this is the thing that bugs me the most is that I I don't doubt for a second that the technology is out there to do it because like you mentioned, the Steam Deck is already doing this. So the Steam Deck is running, you know, PC quality games on on a handheld device. I mean, it should be a no-brainer. But we know that Nintendo, like you said, has always been sort of a step behind. It's like a little half step behind of putting something forward that is going to keep up with the fashion, so to speak. You know, I think that um, for them to be able to do this is great for extending the the life of the Switch itself, but it almost makes me more thirsty for whatever they bring out next to be a bigger step forward and to actually really start competing not only with great titles and great first-party titles, but with that same power that those other systems provide. Um, because at the moment, I feel like um, even with this, this is a great step forward, but I feel like it's just a baby step. I mean, artificially upscaling anything, whether it's a video game or a Blu-ray or <clears throat> DVD, um, you, you sort of get various levels of of success in, in terms of 
what you get out of it. Sometimes it's really good. Sometimes, you know, there's a there's a few artifacts and things that you can notice that that remind you that oh yeah, this is this is being artificially upscaled. So, um, I think I think it's nice to have the option there, but it would be really great to see Nintendo push for uh, a hardware accelerated um, upscaling of, mm-hmm. of their of of their titles and stuff like that. I mean, we yeah. saw in Super Mario Odyssey, um, you know, especially with all the stuff that you were doing in the um, in the city that was supposed to look like New York, you know, with all the cars and stuff, and you, you could become the T Rex and you know run through walls and stuff like that. I mean, they they were doing stuff that you typically wouldn't associate with Mario, and and you know doing some really really crazy things. So if they were able to do, you know. Uh, a full ray traced city like open world experience something like breath of the wild or you know or whatever future titles they're going to bring out in the zelda series it it just push them to a whole nother level um and mm. and True. people that are nintendo fans would would just um they just lose their minds mm. yeah for sure just bouncing back quickly, uh, that game that I was talking about was Fear, First Encounter Assault Recon. Uh, came out in 2005, <clears throat> and that's the game that had, you're a, like a, a soldier going through a facility and, and getting chased by Samara, who is the girl from the Ring movies. So, All right. Uh, uh, add that one to your list, Casey. Yeah, yeah. Play, <laughs> play through that Wait, one. We want you to do a um, a retro game uh, highlight on that one uh, in the upcoming weeks. So, uh, uh, sure. yeah, get straight onto that. So, uh, all right, let's let's move on from from the news now, and um, we're going to have a discussion about uh, games that they are either in the process of turning into a TV show or a movie, or. Uh, have already been turned into um, an, a, movie, a movie or a TV show. And these are things that when you see them, it makes you just think... Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it felt a little like I crowbarred that sound effect in there, but... Um, <clears throat> but some of, the, some of the news that I've been reading about these shows... And in particular, the first one that I wanted to talk about made me say, "Oh my god!" And that is Aimless. They are making a t- a TV series based on the Fallout series of video games. So I don't know if you guys have heard about this, but um, it's been licensed to Amazon Studios. The series will be developed by Kilter Films in association with Bethesda Game Studios and Bethesda Softworks, who currently hold the licensing for Fallout um, and have done an amazing job expanding the Fallout universe with new characters and, and stuff like Fallout 4. What a great game, you know, and just so many choices, so many different ways to play through that game and different uh, different groups that you can you know, ally yourself with and, and all of that. And there's just something about that aesthetic that they use in the Fallout universe. It's just unlike, just like unlike anything really. I mean, mm. you've got this 1950s sort of aesthetic with, um, you know, the, the look of the cars and the 
homes and everything like prior to everything being destroyed. But still how, in the, somehow magically in the future. Yeah. And <clears> so <throat> everything's you know, nuclear powered. You've got robots that are cleaning your house and, and doing all of that sort of stuff. Uh, it's, it's like a really, I don't know, it's a really interesting sort of mix of all of that stuff. And um, the, the three big executive producers that they've named that are going to be uh, almost like responsible for, for um, uh, making the, the show pop, um, the, I've got here, they're Jonathan Nolan... Lisa Joy and Athena Wickman, uh, sorry, Athena Wickham. They're all people who were executive producers on the show Westworld. Mm. Um, and I don't know if you've seen much of Westworld at all on HBO, but um, Westworld, good show. amazing show, very futuristic. There's a lot of robots and, and um, a lot of that sort of action going on in it. I can sort of look at it and go, oh, yeah, I can see that there might be some parallels between what they're doing there and, you know, what we might expect from Fallout. So um, the series will enter production uh, production in 2022, so it's happening this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jonathan Nolan's going to be directing and um, uh, they've got uh, Geneva Robertson Dwaret and Graham Wagner serving as showrunners. Now, I, I'm not familiar with any of their other works, but um, uh, it'll be interesting to, to see uh, how they go. And in an August 2021 interview with Collider, Lisa Joy, so one of the producers from Westworld, described the upcoming Fallout series as a gonzo, crazy funny adventure and mind fuck like none you've ever seen before it's pretty cool <laughs> it's just, you know what do you make of that <laughs> i don't know do we have do we have any more information about it. where it's said is what's the affiliation to the games or it's all pretty vague at this moment JP? they've they've released very little in the way of detail yeah. um only that um uh, there was there was someone at Amazon Studios who loved the Fallout franchise, loved the idea of it, and has been wanting to turn this into a TV series for a long time. And so these negotiations have been happening for for years now. Um, and now I think obviously they found these these former Westworld producers and thought, well, we've now got a team that are capable of you know realizing the vision that we're we're into and. I mean, look, I'll I'll watch it no matter what. Um, mm. I'm already sold on the idea of it from from now, but oh, I just hope they don't turn it into an absolute uh, piece of shit because it's mm. um, it's uh, one of my favourite video game franchises. It has been for many many years. I mean, Fallout One, the video game. Um, I don't know if you remember back that far, but that actually had. Richard Dean Anderson in it as one of the uh, voice actors. So you might know him from MacGyver or Stargate SG-1. Um, fantastic. I mean, Fallout 2 had some more great voice talent. They had uh, Michael Dorn from Star Trek The Next Generation and Deep Space Nine. Uh, another great actor, did an amazing job in that, played a super mutant. Um, and, uh, I mean... Obviously, it's just gone on to bigger and better things. They had Liam Neeson in Fallout Three. He was, mm. uh, you know, sort of your your father inside your dad, the vault. 
Mm. And, um, you know, the, the guy was trying to get the water purifying system uh, up and running. Um, so, I mean, they've had some, some pretty big-name actors attached to the series um, going back in the past. And um, they did have one actor that's currently attached to the show. I didn't recognise the man's name. And all it said would he he was playing a ghoul. <laughs> so uh, for those of you who don't know, the the ghouls are like people that have been badly irradiated. You know, they've they sort of look like a leper. There's bits of their body falling off, and um, you know they 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 generally look a bit like a zombie, like something you'd see walking around in like The Walking Dead or something. But they've still, for the most part, most of them have still got all their all their mind intact and and they just sort of carry out their lives like normal people and they're completely impervious to nuclear radiation. radiation. Um and there's there's some really cool ghoul characters that sort of come up time and time again, you know, throughout the Fallout series. So yeah. Yeah, sounds interesting. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that one as well. JB is a huge fan of the video game series. I hope they sort of follow a similar formula to what they've used in the game you know you're such and such character who leaves the vault for such and such reason and then you just sort of but i reckon you know season one will probably follow something similar and in the first season you'll get hit with all the iconic you know your ghouls and your super mutants and your power armors and your death claws and yeah interested to see where that one goes that they'll there's that many easter eggs that they can drop into this show Mm. like it's crazy i mean the story from the original Fallout game was you were a vault dweller in Vault 13. Their water purification chip um, shits itself and you've got to leave the vault to try and find a replacement. Yeah. And then while you're out of the vault, you discover that there's a, a plot going on where they're trying to turn people into super mutants with a, with a virus. You yeah. know, so that's sort of... And then you end up destroying the virus and... You know, saving the vault and all the rest of it. Spoiler alert, JB. Spoiler alert. Yeah, I mean, it's it's only it's, it's twenty years. Yeah, it's it's only it's only been out since, since the time when you were still swimming around in your old man's ball bag. So, I was in the, um, so in the you know. So you know, I, I I think I think we're pretty safe from a spoiler point of view, mate. Um, but any anyway. Uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see if they they follow the the storyline of any of the old games or whether they just go with something something fairly new. But uh, yeah, anyway, um, the next one that I saw that they're that they're doing, and again, it's it's it seems to be Amazon Studios pushing a lot of these things is God of War. So bringing the story of Kratos and Atreus uh, to the small screen. So. Um, all they've they've got here is um, uh, Amazon Prime Video is in negotiations for a live action TV series based on God of War, mm. and uh, it's coming from the Expanse creators and executive producers Mark Fergus and Hawk Ostby, and the Wheel of Time executive producer slash showrunner Rafe Judkins, uh, and then you know. They've tacked on the end. Oh, and Sony Pictures Television and PlayStation products are all gonna, you know, so be collaborators on that. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, God of War TV show. I mean, I'm kind of speculating a bit that they're gonna have Atreus involved, but I kind of figure that's probably where they'll go. Or, or do we think mm. they might 
might go a bit further back in the God of War storyline and go back to when he was still amongst the the Greek gods like your your Zeus and Helios and all all of those uh, sort of characters. I reckon that probably will go back that far. It's going to be a TV series. I want to flesh it out as much as possible, but I'm surprised this hasn't been done sooner. Yeah, I'm really surprised. <laughs> I think it's interesting because with, I mean, obviously because we've just had, you know, God of War come out not long ago with the story with Atreus, and then we're having another story with Atreus coming out soon with Ragnarok. And I just think to myself, are they going to be just telling the same story twice? Like that's the thing that frustrates me. I think about some video game to TV adapta- adaptations. Is this just going to be, you know, another way for me to see this story with maybe some different, you know, different story arcs throughout it that push the narrative in a different way? But I'm I'm with Casey. I think I'd like to see it go back further um, and maybe focus on Kratos a bit earlier on Mm. and sort of build up to that because i mean if we go and tell that story again i mean it's good for people that don't play games and they want to sink their teeth into a different tv show with all that you know all that lore and all that story behind it but for us as fans of these series to go and then watch them as tv shows it's like wouldn't you just rather play it and so that's that's the kind of thing it's like when you read a book the harry potter book yeah, yeah well, like Chamber of Secrets on the PS2. <laughs> <laughs> it's sad. Well, it's one but, of these you know, things. Um, I, I hadn't played any of the Witcher games until I watched The Witcher on Netflix and I really loved it and went, yeah, you know, I'm going I'm to go and buy The Witcher 3. So I bought The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt. And, um, you know, so I wonder whether it's it's one of these cross-promotional tools like you, know, yeah. you make, it, make a TV show, drive more people to go and buy the game. Yeah, um, not that For I sure. think not that I think they'll have uh, trouble. I think Santa Monica Studios is going to um, do very well out of their new uh, God of War Ragnarok when that comes out. I don't think they're going to need too much assistance in that regard. But yeah, you know, doesn't uh, doesn't hurt. Um, no, for sure. So if I was going to throw it out there, right? You've got you've got undisclosed sum of money sitting on the table you can cast anyone in the world to play kratos who are you casting simon oh i this is a hard one it's i feel the same way with a lot of games with casting because you initially i mean especially after playing god of war 2018 i can only hear i think it's christopher judge his voice i can only hear his voice and his performance when I think of Kratos now. And so, like, um, I know that obviously he is of different appearance to Kratos in, in real life, but I find it hard to kind of well, he does put voice my in the teeth game, on. He? Yeah. Oh, well, to, put, to put my teeth on who would be able to fill that same sort of, uh, that same drama and that depth and strength that is presented in that game in a in a TV series, you know, it's like who would you put there? I, don't, I have no idea. I, um, I don't know. I mean, if it was if it was the year two thousand, Vin Diesel would be him. I thought Vin Diesel too. <laughs> you know, it'd be like this year, Vin Diesel is got knives and he is the god of war, and then it'll be some 
corny, terrible thing. But I mean, in this day and age, I think people are always looking to find the best fit for these characters. And it's really weird. I just can't visualize Kratos being anybody else, even though, because that's the only game that I've played. And so for me, it's really iconic. It was such an iconic role. Um, and their dynamic between the two was really iconic too. Um, but I don't know, maybe, maybe if I had to pick somebody, um, what's his name? Uh, oh yeah, I love him. Um, you know, old mate, the bad guy from Iron Man One, uh, also in the Big Lebowski. What's his name? The bad guy from Iron Man One. <laughs> what's his name? Yeah. <laughs> I know who you're talking oh, about. I, I don't know his name. Obadiah Stane. Uh, yeah, but not Obadiah Stane. <laughs> his actual name. <laughs> what's his name? Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges. Maybe Jeff Bridges. As an older Kratos. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, he'd have to put on a bit of muscle, though. I mean, he's... He is getting older. He's, he's got a similar head to Kratos, I suppose. <laughs> but the end, but end of the TV series. the first thing I thought end of, of the TV series. <laughs> head is get, his head is the right shape. <laughs> Ferg, who would you cast uh, in that role? I'm who? having a really good, long, hard think about this. No one in Hollywood comes to mind. I think this would be someone... This would be their first break. I think they they might look to get someone else because yeah. the thing with Kratos, obviously you have to have someone who's big and physically have those attributes, but he's also got a sensitive side to him, correct, doesn't he? So mm. you need to have someone, yeah. you need to find a perfect balance between, you know, a physical sort of looking person and someone who's also got that soft sort of emotional side to him. I can't think of anyone. The first name that popped to my, my head was Tom Hardy. But I don't know. Really? Yeah. Venom. Yeah, he's the guy. Well, he played like Bane and stuff like that. That was him, wasn't it? Yeah, and yeah. he was yeah. in so um, sort of Peggy had, Blinders as well. He had was, that kind um, of thing. But uh, then when you think about the emotional side of thing, then I picture him in the uh, Max. What is it? Fury. Fury. Um, oh, Mad oh, Max. Yeah. Fury. Mad Max Fury. Max and Fury. I'm just like, well, the barely. He didn't even talk. He couldn't even talk in that role. So. Maybe he doesn't tick that box as far as a compassionate sort of person in that role, but yeah, don't know. Yeah, I mean, you got any ideas, JB? I I had heard um, someone float the idea of of Jason Momoa, mm-hmm. yeah, Aquaman, oh, yeah, playing the role. I think he's got the right he's he's got the right look for it, and he's certainly built in a similar way to to how you'd picture Kratos being. But I don't know. Maybe maybe you go left of centre and throw like Jason Statham in the role or something. You know, I am Kratos. I'll come and break your kneecaps. You know, uh, you know, just uh, you know, come on, Atreus, come on, boy. You know, I'm, sorry, that is probably I'm the gods of war. Don't be stuck your neck. I now pronounce you husband and knife. Oh. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Could we could we stand any of uh, Statham's one-liners in a, a God of War TV show? No, <laughs> maybe not. Flat out, no. Uh, I'd love to. I'd love to see it done on like yeah you know, Saturday Night Live though, or something like that. That would be uh, <laughs> amazing. Uh, Simon, um, I believe you you've got a couple of TV shows that you wanted to bring up as well. Yeah. Um... 
I'm so, I'm super excited for both of these. I'm a little bit sort of weary of one, and I mean, I'll tell you why. I mean, I, we, I just said it to you anyway about God of War. It's how are we going to tell this story again? Yeah, um, with Last the Last of Us. Of us. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, we we've got two incredibly iconic performances from Troy Baker and oh my god, I'm going to forget her name. Um, but um, as and what's her name is Ellie. I'm so bad at this. Um, but. They are two people that really brought those games to life. And to see this as a portrayal in a TV show, I just think, well, where can you take this story now that's going to make it fresh and different? I honestly don't think with The Last of Us TV show, they're going to change it too much from the video game. Yeah. I think it was too too iconic that they're going to stray from the the core of the game, which was her. Pretty much, so, absolutely. Yeah, um, I think I think there's a lot in the video game as well that they can bring to life, and I think it's going to be great. Oh, Ashley Johnson, yeah, no, um, it, it's really interesting. Um, I think that could make an incredible TV series, and I think will lead people, like you said, Joel, is that multi-media yep. kind of thing back to the game to kind of go, oh, I want to see what made this so popular in the first place. Yep. Um. And I think being the genre it is, it lends itself to being a TV series anyway. The games were so cinematic and oh, so yeah. incredibly engrossing. I remember watching Simon play that game. We only just really met. Yeah. And I, I was too scared, <laughs> scared to play it myself because I wasn't very good at video games at that stage. And, yeah, I just I watched it like a movie. Like every night we'd sit down and I'd, I'd sit down and watch a movie. It was yeah. weird. It was so, so bizarre. It's almost like you'd sit down and, and say something like, Oh, my God. <laughs> something like that, maybe. I don't know. Exactly yeah. like that, really, yeah. in that bit of the beginning. But, yeah, I mean, um, that's meant to be, that's slated to come out in 2023, and I think I'll be really interested to see where these characters go because, like I said, they're iconic characters. So for us to see them again um, in a live action setting for an elongated amount of time in a series, is going to be really interesting whether or not it kind of just goes down the same path as the walking dead or not. I don't know. I mean, I think it's a, it's an original enough zombie story to hold its own in its own universe without needing to kind of stray down the same path. Um, so I'm excited for that. There's two, there's two games now. So they've got, there you go, two seasons. <laughs> mm. Two seasons for D, for, for, D, for, for sure. Um, obviously, uh, another one that I'm really excited about as well is, I mean, this only got announced not too long ago, but um, Bioshock. Um, Bioshock yeah. coming to Netflix as a film. Um, this is one of those adaptations where I'd love to see a completely fresh story. I yeah. don't want to go back to the rapture. I don't want to go back up into the sky. I want to see what other universe they can create. I mean, we know that um, the Bioshock universe is kind of infinite in scope. And so to be able to see what else lies in one of those lighthouses in a new story would be really interesting to see. And I think that um, it has so much potential. For a movie, though. It's amazing. I'm in the amazing business. (laughs) Sorry. <laughs> you go. I didn't even. What, what was I saying? I don't know. You just. <laughs> no. Oh, yeah. About the movie. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just. 
I feel like that would work really well as a TV series. I feel like everything's better as a TV series, mm. to be honest. I'm not into movies. So, yeah, well, I don't know. I, I would like to see Bioshock as a movie as the games. I think, um, right. I think because games are a very long-form mm. type format, it's almost That's like what, yeah. trying to turn them into a movie means you got to you got to rip so much of it out. Uh, whereas leaving, yeah, you know, putting it on the on the small screen because you're telling the same story over a season and you've got you know an hour episode for each um, for each sort of um, well, however many episodes you put in a season, mm. it's usually about eight or nine or so. Um, you can just tell so much more of the story and, and yeah. keep in flesh it out so much of the stuff that people like about those those sort of characters and everything. Yeah, that's a really good point, JB. Like, especially with a game like Bioshock, you might play a video game like Infinite for fifty hours, so you get fifty hours of character development yeah. and story. Where there's, you know, a movie, it's two and a half hours and it, and mm-hmm. it's over. So trying to cram all of that into a you know, a small period of time is tricky for sure. Yeah, we see this all the time with books as well. You read, you know, like the Harry Potter series as well, trying to cram it all into the movie. Like they did a good job, but yeah, I just feel like it doesn't do it justice. With I just, yeah, I'm not really into movies at the moment. Mm. <laughs> I think and, Bioshock TV series would be amazing, but that's not what's happening. And that's the problem. I'm not people that are really super fans of a particular <laughs> book or you know, yeah. game or whatever the case may be, just. I think that's why so many video game movies fail, you know, and yeah. because you know you're trying to condense this this huge property into something that's that only runs for you know hour and a half or something. I agree with you, hundred percent. That's exactly that's exactly what I think. I think, yeah. I think the only kind of saving grace for this in the in the terms of it being a film and not a TV series is that if you think of the Bioshock games as as a sort of a whole, uh, you, the way the, all the information is delivered to you as a player is really smart and intriguing. And, I mean, that's... And even the game creators said at one point where they needed to turn it into a popular game format in order to tell their story. And the popular game format was a first-person shooter. So, I mean, I don't think the TV series would have to have so many action elements attached to it, or sorry, the film would have to have so many action um, scenes attached to it. I feel like it could really just base itself more in the narrative of being in this world and more on the horror side of it, but keeping it suspenseful and unraveling that mystery in a really clever way. Um, I, I feel like it would have to be at least a couple of hours long though to do it. And I just, I just find, yeah, I just find it strange. Like, and it just feels like another movie, just a sort of another horror kind of movie. That's why I like these video game adaptations to be true to the game because then I feel like I'm watching the game, you know, it kind mm. of actually makes sense and I'm watching the game. It's not just sort of a weird side thing. Yeah. They, they just slapped on Bioshock as the, I don't know, I'm very cynical. <laughs> <laughs> You're allowed to be, though. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, Ferg, what um, what video, what uh, game... Slash TV show, did you want to uh, talk about? Yeah, so I was going to just have a chat about one which is already out and I've seen multiple times now, which I really loved, which was the uh, Witcher TV show adaptation. Oh. Oh, my God. (laughs) It's so good. (laughs) Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I think this is a really good example of 
I don't know, them doing it very, very well. I think one thing that Casey just touched on before is what I really loved about The Witcher in particular was there was a lot of familiarity with the actual video games. So The Witcher 3 is one of my favorite video games of all time. And when you saw Henry Cavill as Geralt for the first time, you know, he looked like Geralt, he sounded like Geralt, and he acted like Geralt. And the aesthetic of the TV show is, obviously the TV show is based on the books, but the aesthetic of everything that you saw in game was very similar to what was in the video games. So I think from the get-go, that really drew me in because of the familiarity with something that which I already enjoyed. Um, you know, as I mentioned, Henry Cavill was great, but generally across the board, all the actors in this TV show were very well cast. And, you know, what makes The Witcher video games and the TV series great is that, you know, there's a great collection of characters who are all interesting with their own stories. Um, you know, the combat and sword play was fantastic. The CGI was actually really good, and I think there was a really big step up between Season 1 and Season 2. So, yeah, come to Season 2, the monsters look really, really impressive. Um, and, yeah, I think they you can tell they've sort of hit the nail on the head with something because, um, you know, as someone who has played the video games, hasn't read the books, I really enjoyed it. But I watched this with my partner, Fiona, and she really enjoyed it. And she hadn't read the books or played the video games and still found it. So I think they've found a really good balance of keeping it true and honest to the books, the video games, as well as producing something that someone who might not be familiar with the the world or have any point of reference, they're still able to enjoy it. Um, So, yeah, I'm hanging out for season three, which has been confirmed, but I don't think there's an announcement date yet. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, across the board, this was a a great TV show. Probably the only criticism I had, it has quite a tricky timeline mm. across it, which you have to sort of keep yeah. up to date with, which was a little bit confusing. At one point, I remember, I, you know, Netflix was just playing episodes and I had to check that it was actually playing the correct one because I was watching it and I was thinking, hang on a second, this has already happened. <laughs> or Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that was something I found a bit frustrating with season one that wasn't a problem for season mm. two because they... Season two was very linear in terms of how they yeah. they told the story there, but even uh, my wife, who normally doesn't doesn't get into that sort of fantasy genre, <clears throat> uh, she watched it with me, loved it, um, really enjoyed the show, and she was someone who really struggled even to get into Game of Thrones. So mm. um, there's something about the way that they've done that that just seems to appeal to a very broad audience. So mm-hmm. for sure. Um, it's just yeah, it's a- not really a, it's not really something that appeals to me normally, but I really enjoyed season one. Um, we tried to watch season two, and even with the massive recap, we were just like, oh, what, what? I, I feel like even- I have to go and watch season we one. We feel like again. we have to watch it again. We have no idea what. <laughs> even a huge recap we we're still so confused and i think we have to be a bit more awake to watch it again but yeah i really enjoyed the first season and i didn't think i would because i'm not really into that kind of yeah same as rebecca not really into game of thrones yeah <laughs> i think um it's it's an incredible leap in multimedia service when you can go from a book yeah to a game and I mean, uh, those games obviously struck a huge chord. And um, as much as I like to poop on CD Projekt Red as of late and what they've done, to be able to take a, a book series and turn it into something that they did is incredible. And look at and the then, audience they've got now. They've got yeah. not only the book fans, but they've got the game fans. And now they've got Netflix fans. Like, yeah. it's just insane. Exactly. I think that um, it's just a, an awesome 
um, we'll watch season show two. Of what, That's all we need to do next. No, but it's just great <laughs> to see how um, a game can develop into a TV series that's been based off a book. It's a really unusual way for things to go around. I mean, we're used to in in a lot of our multimedia from things to go from books to movies or books to TV and or video um, games or to, to movies movie or movies to video games. Like, you know, like back in the 90s, you'd have um, Toy Story and then Toy Story, the game would come out because we've got to have a game to go along with the movie. And two, two, mean, two, two days later. Yeah, exactly. It's like out. it's got to be out at the same time. And um, now I feel like the um, structure is really being tailored more towards the fans that have actually made it so popular and brought it up through those those ranks to being something that can be multimedia and that multiple people can enjoy hey, well, and that, talk about. It's like Hogwarts Legacy as well. Rock and roll, exactly. Yep. Fantastic. Well, for for every good TV adaptation and every good movie adaptation of a video game, and there's really not that many, but um, <laughs> there's it's there's true. a whole whole raft of absolute stinkers. So we're gonna we're gonna turn this on its head and say, well, which video game did you wish didn't get turned into a movie or TV show? And I'm going to kick things off with 1993's Street Fighter. I hate that. I hate it! <laughs> now, to put some context, I went and saw this at the cinema with my brother and my cousin. Uh, we were all big fans of the game, had high expectations. And as the credits rolled on the movie, I actually heard <laughs> someone in the theatre yell out, Bullshit! Put on the real movie, and and people were oh just my people were were mortified with what they'd just seen. So oh. you had you had John Claude Van Damme as Guile, uh, Raul Julia as M Bison, uh, who was like the main villain of the Street Fighter games. You had Ming Na Wen as Chun Li, and you know Ming Na Wen, fantastic actress. Um, I mean, she's she's going through a bit of a renaissance at the moment. She seems to be popping up in all sorts of things, most recently in the book of Boba Fett um, as Fennec Shand. Um, an interesting fact about Ming-Na Wen, the only actor to have been a Disney princess, a, a character in a Marvel uh, property, and a character in a Star Wars property. So she's, she's completed the Disney trifecta. Wow. Nice. <laughs> no, that's impressive. Yeah, just, just a little bit of uh, yeah, because she was um, she was the voice of Mulan in the um, the animated Mulan. So there you go. Gosh, there she's go. done a lot. Yeah, uh, and then you had uh, Kylie Minogue cast as Cammy. Uh, oh, what? Which uh, who knows how that even came about? <laughs> but uh, the film itself focuses on the efforts of uh, Colonel Guile, uh, as you know, played by Van Damme to bring down General M. Bison, Raul Julia, the military dictator and drug kingpin of Shadaloo City, who aspires to conquer the world with an army of genetic super soldiers while enlisting the aid of street fighters Ryu and Ken to infiltrate Bison's empire and help destroy it from within. So, I mean, even just the... The, that blurb just sounds shit house. Uh, there's just, it's just not. You, you just read that. It's just like, yeah, generic. Um, I mean, Raul Julia died of a stroke two months before the film was released, making this his final film. 
And you'd you'd, ha- you'd have to be thinking like he'd be he'd be looking down from the afterlife, going, oh, you know, I can't believe that that's that's the last thing I'm going to be remembered for, <laughs> Street Fighter. And it, oh, man, it was just it was just terrible. Did you guys see that one? Never saw it. I, I always wonder how games like Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat are. You know, obviously they're popular games, huge audiences, but for film adaptations, it's always it seems a bit odd to me that they'd think that these are ones worth doing. I don't know. Mm. I didn't see it though, JB. Simon, Casey, uh, did you? I guys... did see it when I was a kid. Oh, did you? Uh, when I was a kid, I was all up on that. I loved like Mortal Kombat when I was a kid. I think it was just that sort of you saw these game characters in real life on the screen and you were like, oh, wow. But um, with Street Fighter, I think I was like, oh, wow, for about two seconds um, <laughs> when I was like, this is a Street Fighter. Like the game is now a movie. That's unreal. And then I was like, what is this? Like it was just so, <laughs> so bizarre. It was, it was really baffling. The fact that, I mean, this is indicative of the time though that, Anything that was a property of a game that somehow was popular, that was made into a film, the people making these films were tone deaf as anything. They just didn't know anything about that. They were kind of like, oh, well, let's. It's like they sat down with the roster of characters and went, yeah, we could, we could make Jean Claude him because he's a big actor at the moment. I mean, it does say that Giles, like a f- full blown, like heavy American soldier, but sure. Uh, you know, and then you, they just kind of pick and choose people and go, oh, well, you know, Kylie Minogue is kind of famous. Let's, let's put her in there too. You know, that would be sick. And then they developed this kind of almost trashy fan fiction kind of fan-made project. That's what it feels like. It feels like a fan made it and they just, but they didn't actually care about anything to do with Street Fighter. They just put it in there because they thought, oh, this will be fun. It's, it's Yeah, it's messy. It's such a mess. While I was uh, doing a bit of research on uh, Street Fighter, I found out a little fun fact. Um, the uh, A sequel was released Uh called Street Fighter Assassin's Fist. Uh, it was released in 2014. No. And you, you sort of wonder, Assa- Assassin's Fist, is that is that an instruction? Is that a... Um, I mean, is, is this now the recommended uh, method of execution that uh, the Street Fighter characters are going to employ? I mean, uh, I, I don't know. Is, is it... Is it a? Is it, are they describing a weapon? Is this? Is this? You know, I I don't know. It just the title, Assassin's Fist. Uh, just uh, you just. <laughs> oh who, my god! Who was, I'm seeing the poster <clears throat> of it now, and I'm just going. This is just so bad. Is it, it's <laughs> almost like, like the same people that came up with that logo for the women's network that looks like a dick and balls. Oh my gosh! Have come up so with this title funny. of a movie and gone, yeah, yeah. I reckon, I reckon that's oh, going to be, a, I reckon that's going to be a good title for for a movie. So, Assassin's Fist. Assassin's it, it looks Fist. Looks like they got their costumes at Costume Land. It's so bad. <laughs> yeah, it's like you can imagine, you know, someone, someone, you know, go, oh, oh, you should see this is this is how the assassins do their work. The Assassin's Fist. You know, <laughs> and then you know, just a bunch of 
bunch of assassins walking around with one giant arm, you know, with a, <laughs> you know, a huge boxing glove on or something. I don't know. Pop off. Anyway. Oh, wow. Assassin's That's Fist. Twenty-four. What an insane visual that is. I've been is. talking about it so much now, I'm actually tempted to go and watch it now to, watch to it. find out what happens in Assassin's Fist. No, we'll I'm look forward to, to the review beforehand. next week, JB. Oh, actually, no, it sounds like it could be slightly pornographic. I might mm. actually um, give it a watch. <laughs> yes, I, <think. laughs> I might actually accidentally find the wrong one, the wrong version of Assassin's <laughs> Fist. And then, accidentally. And then, uh, you know, find myself uh, in a world of, world of bother. Um, all right, let's move on. Let's move on from Street Fighter. I think we've uh, kicked it uh, kicked it in the guts enough. Simon, do you have a, um, a a video game that you wish didn't get turned into a movie? I really wish that we could turn back time and just not the Super Mario Bros. movie of what was it, eighty six. Super Mario Brothers came out in 1993, the same 1993. year. 1993. Oh, wow, well, that was a bad year. Same year, year, You're alive. Same year as Street Fighter. And you know what? Oh, I really I thought it was that. an ace. I hate it. Oh, I mean, what? Take what? us through Super but, Mario Bros, uh, Simon. Be, but you know what? I just had a look on IMDb. Street Fighter got four out of ten. Super Mario Bros. got 4.1. So, really, it's yeah, slightly better. Somebody had a, a bloody heart attack while they were on IMDb <laughs> reviewing and accidentally <laughs> hit the wrong key. This, this is like, I think this is the epitome of the same sort of thing with Street Fighter, of people just not knowing what they're writing about. And, I mean, this film, to its credit, went through a lot of messy stages. It went through the stages of people being drunk on set because they didn't want to be there um bob hoskins notably not wanting to be there and just hating everything about it yet doing it anyway and i mean it came up against all odds to still be released as a film but it just shouldn't have i mean you just look at everything that was portrayed in this film and it just doesn't make any sense i mean you look at the games and what games had come out at that time. I mean, that would be on the verge of when Super Mario World came out. And then you've got this weird sort of, you know, live almost action. cyberpunk live action version of Mario where, you know, Cooper is a human, you know, King Cooper's a human, Bowser is a human. I just don't understand. And, you know, Princess Peach and, and Yoshi are like, and Yoshi is like an actual dinosaur dinosaur. He's not even, doesn't, doesn't even look like Yoshi. And, and if, I'm, just think, if I'm not mistaken, Simon, doesn't Yoshi get stabbed in the movie? I think he does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Cool. Fantastic. Animal Cruelty 101. Yeah. It's, it's, I just don't understand what, um, what people were thinking when they put this thing together. I just, it, it obviously I think it was wasn't a case there. of, hey, this is a popular video game. Let's quickly put something out. It obviously, doesn't matter what, it, everyone will watch it because it's popular. It obviously wasn't a kid's movie if Yoshi's getting oh, stabbed. Oh, no, no, this it wasn't, wasn't a kid's mature movie. audiences. No. I mean, about the only thing that resembled the Super Mario game from the movie was uh, there's a, there's a, a scene where, where they're sort of entering the main... Uh, city of of the Cooper, you know, empire, and they've got a few like neon signs up around the place, and and they've just thrown in a smattering of of Mario Brothers references. So there's like a 
a neon sign that's advertising Bullet Bills, which is like a, a bar. There's another one that says, you know, Thwomp something or other. And, you know, wow. they've just thrown in just random names of, of, you know, Mario villains hoping that, you know, oh, yeah, people will have a look at that and they'll, they'll get they'll get the references and, you know, they'll know that this is, you know, he's, he's in Mario world now. <laughs> How was this, this even approved by Nintendo? This is the funny thing is that when it was all in development, I think Nintendo kept saying that they didn't like the scripts. Yeah, Every well, script that came out, they were not approving, they weren't approving, and then all of a sudden there was a lot of pressure for them to get this movie made because it had been talked about so much and they'd put, invested so much money into it already uh-huh. that it kind of just ended up happening. And... I mean, it's just... It's, it's very it's odd just, for Nintendo to put this through. This is, was a long time ago yeah. as well, mind you. And I mean, when we look at now the, the new Mario movie that's coming out, I mean, oh, I don't know how that's going to turn out, but I think it's going to be a, a world it better. Is, than, it is Chris Pratt as Mario, so I don't we, know, I we don't... That. Yeah, uh, we'll see. <laughs> but, the, yeah, this is just a... Don't act like you're not impressed. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, wow, just what, what a ride... Um, I think this is one of those movies that should have just been thrown in the bin along with um, E.T. on the Atari. Really. I'll be forever tormented by the image of uh, the man stepping out of the Goomba transformation machine and having his <laughs> I head, wish we could show people his, listening. Having his head shrunk to the size of a tennis ball <laughs> and sort of, you know... Uh, uh, sort of talking like, Argh! sort of like sounding like, like Milo Kerrigan, you know. Uh... Can't do it justice, Joel. You can't. People no. have to see it and Google it right now to see this Goomba because it's nightmare. For anyone me. listening, look up Super Mario Bros. Uh, movie Goomba on on YouTube and uh, traumatize yourself. Oh. Do yourself a favour. It's like somebody did this. Uh, it's like they had gone and just taken as much acid as they could and then decided to put the concept Maybe together for a Mario movie. Maybe they did. Like, I'm just baffled by it. Um, but, yeah, and, I mean, this is when we got the names Mario Mario and Luigi Mario. I mean, it's the most dumb thing I've heard in my life. And <laughs> I just think to myself, like, how unoriginal can you be? <laughs> because they're called the Mario Bros, that they're both their last names are Mario. It's just pathetic and makes me feel very annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. What were they thinking? I don't know. Let's anyway. move on. Let's move on. <laughs> Ferg, do you have a uh, movie for us um, that that was just an absolute stinker? Yeah, the one I wanted to have a chat. I don't know if it was an absolute stinker, but it was not great. Keeping with the uh, theme of Assassin's, not quite Assassin's Fist, but I was going to talk about Assassin's Creed. <laughs> of 20... I hate that. I hate it! I think my biggest gripe with Assassin's Creed is just, it was just boring. Like, overall, it, it yeah. was just boring. I didn't um, even I didn't even watch it. Yeah, you no, did, you didn't miss either. didn't miss out on much, JB. I think originally it was I think it was supposed to be one of a trilogy, and they haven't proceeded with making the other two. And I think probably for well, that's, good reason. That's usually a good sign that the first one was didn't shit. do so well. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> not not super old. It came out in 2016. Had a I don't know a bit of a homage to the Assassin Days Assassin's Creed movies, but you're basically in the present, and you learn that. You know, the main character learns that he's a descend- descendant of a, a dangerous society from back in the day and that his relations, you know, mm. right up the family tree were 
basically Templar assassins or whatever. So oh. he goes back in time. I know the feeling. He goes back in time to learn and acquire skills to defeat his enemies in the present. And that was essentially the I mean, crux just, of just it. The, I know that it's also the present, the um, premise of the, the Assassin's Creed games, but it's just just sounds shit when you're reading it out. Like, it doesn't even sound... <laughs> like, you don't listen to that and go, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. that sounds uh, really compelling. Oh, I must uh, go and watch that. Yeah. I mean, it was- I mean, if you were to dumb it down, you'd say, guy reads a book on Kung Fu in order to fight people in the future who are bad. More or less. Like, it's basically the same thing, but he's just, like, doing it in a more convoluted way. Yeah, I mean, credit where credit's due. It did have some good, you know, sort of action sequences and stuff, but overall, it was just it was just boring. And I think this is, you know, a classic example of, you know, if you think about the Assassin's Creed games, probably the most like the satisfying thing you can do in an Assassin's Creed game is basically infiltrate, infiltrate, you know, a hideout and basically quietly one by one just take everyone down and just defeat a whole base like that. And so the problem with, and a lot of these adaptations have, is how do you take that kind of satisfaction that you get in a video game, which is an immersive experience where you, you know, you're making the choices in what you're doing and how things will play out and then stick that into a two-hour window where you're a passive participant. And I think there's just yeah. some video games which don't really make that transition that that well. And I think Assassin's Creed, why it didn't so well is because, yeah, it's a game that's, enjoyable to play but to be watching it as a passive experience it's you know it's not that much fun and you know one other game that has been turned into a tv tv show recently which we haven't talked about is halo and you know i'll probably get around to watching it but it's the same thing it's halo is one of my favorite games of all time and i can even tell you where i was and what i was doing and who i was with when i played halo one for the first time and what makes those games so great is just the gameplay and the first-person shooting is just, it's unbelievable. But I couldn't tell you a story arc of any of those games. <laughs> I couldn't tell you what was happening at any given time in any of those games, but still it was just an amazing experience because of the first-person shooting and the gameplay and still playing Destiny and, you know, games like that. It's just so good. So, you know, my concerns with a TV show is that once you sort of take away what I think is my favorite part of the game out of the TV show, because you can't, you're a passive participant and you're just watching it. It's really hard because you have to really rely on it, having a good story. Um, it's like going around your mate's place after school and sitting there and watching him play video yeah. games for the hour, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and, yeah. and not, not getting to have a turn. And it's a good point. Like I think I read somewhere they're spending, they'd spent $10 million on each episode. So it's always going to have great CGI and effects, but you can only sort of, get away with that for so long before you actually have a bit of substance into the story of the show. Yeah. The thing is, 10, 10 mil is is a, a standard figure thrown around. That, mm. oh, I heard 10 mil was what they paid per episode to produce The Mandalorian on Disney+. Plus. Yeah. You know, 10 million an episode is what they're, they're throwing around to do most of the Marvel TV shows that they're, they're producing for streaming. Uh, I mean, 10 million is a fairly standard thing now. If, you, if you're spending yeah. less than that, you... You're just not not getting yeah. the um... yeah, and maybe it is, but I suppose yeah. The point is, you you've got to have decent story in a TV show where you're a passive participant. And I think you know some of the games that Simon talked about, Bioshock and Last of Us, those games had such amazing stories as well as being great mm. games to play. But I never played Last of Us, but I reckon I watched probably one or two playthroughs like 
watching someone else play. The story was that good yeah. that I'd sit and watch someone else play. So I think those those games sort of lend themselves a bit bit better to TV show sort of adaptations because they've just got great story and great characters. Whereas you know your Assassin's Creeds and your Halos and yeah maybe maybe not quite as much, but we'll see. I think Halo's had some pretty decent reviews so far, so at some point I'll get around to watching it. But you know, the problem with a lot of these TV shows, you got HBO, you got Netflix, there's Amazon, yeah. there's Paramount Plus. You have to have about forty-five subscriptions to watch ten TV shows. So yeah, it sucks. Makes it a bit tricky. Well, that's about all we've got time for this week on the Discerning Gamer. <clears throat> I'd like to thank the DG crew for. Uh, sharing these uh, discussions with me. So, Steely, Simon McLaughlin, thank you. Thank you, JB. It's always a pleasure to hear your voice and to speak to your voice as well. Thanks, mate. Much appreciated. Uh, Casey, C. Mac McLaughlin, thanks for being on the show. Thank you very much. And, of course, Fergus Fergamon Hamilton, thank you for being on the show as well, mate. Thanks, JB. Appreciate it, mate. And if you want to get in touch with us, we are discerninggamerpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to send us an email, we are discerningpod on Twitter. And we are the discerning, I think we're discerninggamerpodcast on Facebook and Instagram as well. Look us up. You'll see uh, the the great picture that we've got of uh, old mate offering offering his controller to to you, the audience, uh, inviting you in. And uh, leave us a review if... uh, If uh, you enjoy what you hear, make it a good one and uh, we'll see you next week.